Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. We are in week three of a series that we began, um, talking about what it means to be the church, and particularly us as a church, um, Northgate. And we called the series Next uh, because we believe that the life of faith is a journey. But it's not a journey that we travel solo. It's a journey that we travel together. And no one's arrived. Some of us here are a little bit further along than others. None of us have arrived. There is always a next step. And so what we're going to be doing this month, uh, all of the month, is taking a look at what's my next step. Because that's really what we want to get to um, for each one of us. The firm belief that I have is that God has a purpose for each and every one of our lives. That he has a purpose for us as a church. And he has put us in this place at this time for his purposes. And if we discover what that is and we take those next steps, not only do we grow, but, but God's kingdom grows. And that's what we're all about. Um, and if you're a first-time guest here this morning, I'm, I'm really glad you're here because uh, I said this the first week, I love this church. I, I love um, where we're at. I love where we're going. And um, hopefully as a guest this morning, you'll get a better sense of what we are all about here. Uh, 19 years ago, uh, we began this church with a simple vision. It was to help unchurched people become wholehearted followers of Jesus Christ. Now, every week I've been having our regulars say this out loud. So by now you've got it. In fact, we could take it off the board. We won't have put it on the board. It's not up on the board. Um, don't look at your... What is our purpose as a church? <laughs> Come on. It's been like... This is the third week, okay? You should be able to say this with enthusiasm and excitement because this is what we're about. What are we about? Helping unchurched people. Great. And the key operative word in the middle of that sentence is become. Because we're all in the process of becoming. And there is a process. There is a process to becoming. And around here we've talked about it in terms of connect, serve, share. It starts with a connection with God and a connection with His people. His community. His new community, the church. And, and then serving. And serving is a very, very important aspect of your spiritual growth and formation. In fact, I would be, tell you this morning, you cannot grow in your life with Christ without serving. It's impossible. It's impossible. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. Serving, because that is vital to our spiritual, or, uh, our spiritual formation. And my goal this morning is to help you maybe identify your next step as we go through this. So what does that look like? What does serving look like? And what happens when we do that? There is no better example than we have than Jesus' example in John chapter 13. If you want to turn there, I'm going to start reading at uh, verse 1. Um, if you're using one of the Bibles that's in the seats next to you, it's page 1067. Feel free to follow along. Beginning verse 1. It was just before Passover feast. Jesus knew the time had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? 
Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Well, then, Lord, Simon Peter said, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. <laughs> Jesus answered, a person who's had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to be betray him, and that is why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing the feet, he put on his clothes, returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. What does it look like to serve? I think it comes down to just one simple word, being available, availability. If we are willing to make ourselves available for God's use, however he could do that, if, if that would just be our prayer, God, if you could use me any way possible, whatever I'm at, God, whatever I, wherever I am, use me. If we would just make ourselves available, I believe God will work through each and every one of us. I believe he does that sometimes without us even knowing it. Because servanthood is essential to our spiritual formation. And there's some things that happen when you make yourself available. When I make myself available, one of the things that happens is I begin to recognize all the opportunities around me. I began to realize there are all kinds of needs right around me. Opportunities every single day of the week. Almost every moment of the day, there is someone near me who could use some serving. And I think most of the time we miss them because we are simply too preoccupied with ourselves. It's my agenda, my schedule. I got to pick up my kids. I got to get to my class. I got to do my work. I got a schedule. I got responsibilities. I've got an agenda. Time, time. I don't have the time. In fact, I think that is the, probably the most often used reason for not serving. I would like to serve, but now's not a good time. I would love to serve, but I just don't have the time. It, I would love to do something great for God. I would like to do something small for God. But you know, my schedule, I just can't fit it in. I don't have the time. Now listen, if there is anybody who had a legitimate reason to be self-preoccupied, it was Jesus. As I was reading and studying this week, there's something that popped out to me that I'd never seen in this passage before. And this is a very familiar passage. And it is simply two words. Jesus knew. Jesus knew. It says, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to his father. If you don't know the story, let me set the stage for you. This is his last night with his followers. This is his last meal with these guys. Twelve guys that he has spent at least three years together with. Teaching them, showing them, giving examples of, telling them stories to help them better understand. Three years he has spent with them. And this is their last night together. And he knows it. He knows it. He looks around the room. There are 12 guys. One of them, he knows, is going to betray him that very night. 
that we're told later on, he knew that. It's another that he knows is going to deny him. In fact, he even tells him ahead of time, this is what you're going to do. Peter says, no, Lord, never would I ever do that. You will. (laughs) And 10 other guys that are all going to desert him at his greatest point of need. And he knew that. That's what the scripture says. He knew that the time had come. He knew what his immediate future was going to be. He knew everything that was going to happen. And and if there was any time that anybody had any right to be self-preoccupied, it would be Jesus on that night. I mean, you think you got pressure. You think you got stress in your life. You think you, you know, are overwhelmed by the circumstances that you're going through. Here is Jesus on the night he knows is his last night, his last meal. And he's not thinking about himself. He's thinking about his followers. His concern is for them. And so it says that the meal, the evening meal was being served. He got up from the meal and began to wash his disciples' feet. And that sounds kind of weird in our culture, but here's what you got to understand. In Jesus' culture, they didn't travel in cars. In fact, very few people even had an animal to ride. Mostly they walked. And they didn't have shoes and socks that kept their feet clean. They wore sandals. Think of flip-flops while you're camping, okay? And what your feet look like around. That's a typical day. And they get to this room. And typically what would happen um, when you went into a home, there would be a host there or a hostess. And, and one of the responsibilities would be to provide a bowl, uh, a basin, and some water for, and, and to actually wash the feet or at least have a servant do that. And they get to this meal and there's no real host to the whole thing. And so they're all sitting around. Something else you got to realize is They didn't sit on tables and chairs. I know Leonardo da Vinci got everybody to line up on the other side of the table so he could paint the picture. But that's not the reality. The reality is there's maybe a low low table, maybe a foot, foot and a half high. And they're kind of just laying around it on pillows. And they're laying around kind of like head to foot, head to foot, head to foot, head to foot. So it's not like anybody could say, oh, we forgot something. (laughs) They're all face-to-face with what everybody forgot. Nobody has washed the feet. Except Jesus gets up. Now, everybody else around that table, i got to believe, sees the need. They all know what's supposed to happen. And, and we're not given the insights to that. But I, if, if, if human nature is at all at play here, every one of them is looking around and saying, okay, who's going to be the one to do it? I'm not going to do it. I sit at Jesus' right hand. I'm sitting right next to him. I'm in a place of importance. It's not my job. And on down the line, every one of them, all around the table, every one of them is thinking, who's going to do it? We all see the need. We all know something's got to happen here. You know, you don't come to the table without washing your hands and your feet. Who's going to do it? Everybody sees the need. Jesus sees an opportunity. And that's the difference Because just seeing a need, just feeling bad about a need, just knowing you ought to do something or or intending to do something, that is not serving. It makes me feel better because I've recognized the need and I say, oh, poor, somebody ought to do something. But if I don't get up and do it, that's not serving. See, making myself available is opening my eyes to the opportunities that are around me, and then acting on those opportunities. 
And when I make myself available, that's what I begin to do. Secondly, when I make myself available is I begin to act without the need for attention. Without the need for attention. There's another sin. It recurs through this whole story. Jesus knew. This time it says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. He knew now. This was his last night. He knew that. He knew what was about to happen. He knew all those around the table and what was going to happen with each and every one of them. But not only that, he knew one thing else. He knew that the Father had given him all power and authority. This was his chance. Let me ask you, if you got to that point where you knew you had all the power and authority and whatever you said would go, what would you do? What would you do? Because some of us get that chance every once in a while. You know, maybe you're a boss and you get the pull rank, or, or your supervisor, you know, or, or, or in your home, you're the dad, and dad's the king, and dad says, so you do, you know. I think all of us at some point or another, maybe you don't get it very often, but every once in a while, you get the chance to have a little bit of power, a little bit of authority. What you say goes. What do you do with it? I would dare say, I don't serve. But what Jesus did as he served, knowing the ones who would betray him, knowing the one who would deny him, knowing the ten that would run away, he served them. He's the one who gets up from the table. I think sometimes we view serving as a sign of weakness. If you read the Gospels, you, you, you know that there is, there is a power play that is always going on among these 12 guys. And it rises to the surface every once in a while. In fact, John, who is the author of this gospel, John and James, his brother, they had their mother, they had their mother go and ask Jesus for a special favor. Could you let one of my sons sit on your right hand and one of my sons sit on your left when you come into your kingdom? And that, of course, didn't sit very well with the rest of the 12. And so they had arguments about this all the time. I mean, over and over again. It's not just one occasion. And they're always saying, who's the greatest? Jesus, who's your best follower? Who's your most wholehearted follower of all? And Jesus keeps saying to them, it's the one who serves. The greatest in the kingdom of heaven is the one who serves. That's why I say you can't possibly grow in your spiritual formation, your growth in following Jesus Christ without serving because that's, ser- that's what the kingdom's all about. And Jesus keeps telling them that over and over and over again. And they still don't get it because they're sitting around a table and not one of them gets up to serve except Jesus. Sometimes we don't serve because it's a sign of weakness. If I back down now, then I'm going to lose my authority. Sometimes we don't serve because it's just too great a sacrifice. It's like, I, you know, I just, I would love to help, but. And you can fill in the blank with whatever that but is. And you can see it actually in your own home. Just out of curiosity. In your homes, okay, how many have like designated jobs, okay? There are certain chores around the house that you do, certain, that your wife does, certain that the kids do. Do you have pretty much all the designated chores around your house? Anybody? Okay, yeah, that's what we do. Do you have any, do you have any chores that are like not really assigned chores? Like nobody's really responsible for them. It's just kind of like, well, whoever does it when they do it. Let me tell you what some of those are around our house. Emptying the dishwasher. <laughs> Nobody has that chore specifically on their list. Taking the garbage out. Now, it's my job to put it out to the curb, okay? But nobody officially has the chore of taking it from the kitchen out to the garage. Nobody has that chore in our house. Making the bed is not an assigned chore in our house. It's really up to whoever does it. And sometimes I do it. (laughs) But, yeah. 
You guys are a little slow this morning. But when I do it, I want to make sure everybody knows I did it. When I empty the dishwasher, it's loud. When I take out the garbage, man, I'm carrying it through the whole house. I do a whole parade before I get out to the garage. Because if I'm going to make that sacrifice, I'm going to do something. At least I want credit for it. This week, I, I, I came to the realization, actually, I was reminded, I had not been... <laughs> I wish I could say it came to me all alone, but it didn't. But I was reminded, I'd, I'd just not been paying very good attention to my wife lately. I felt really bad about it. So, so Monday, when I said, Monday's my day off, I thought, I'm going to bring flowers home. And I bought flowers and a card, and I took so, and I wrote out all these things and apologized and just, you know, and I brought it up to the bedroom. I put the vase on her, on her dresser. I put the little card right in front of it. And, and I just, I was so proud of myself. And, and my wife came home for lunch. And, and she went and made her own lunch, because I didn't make her lunch. You know, I gave her flowers, but I didn't make her lunch. <laughs> so she makes her own lunch, and I'm sitting there, and I'm just thinking, go upstairs, go upstairs. Because she always goes upstairs, you know, just before she goes back to the office. Go upstairs, go upstairs. She doesn't go upstairs. And now I'm sitting on the sofa, as she has made her own lunch and is eating it, and I'm thinking, go upstairs. She goes out to the car, drives back to work. Doesn't go I did this great, tremendous thing, and you didn't even notice. <laughs> and that's in every one of us. I have a pretty good idea. I am not alone. Because if I'm going to make the effort, I at least want some credit for it. Jesus doesn't. I mean, the way John tells the story, it's very, very detailed. But, but it's not like Jesus made a really big deal of, of it. He didn't get up and say, Okay, if nobody else is going to do it, I guess I could do it, you know? (laughs) He just simply gets up from the table, takes off the outer garment, not to reveal the big S on his chest, (laughs) wraps a towel around his waist, pours a basin of water, and makes his way around the table, washing each of their feet. And it's very detailed in the way that John... And I think there's a reason. We'll get to that a little bit more later. But, but, but he doesn't make a big deal of it. In fact, I wonder if, if when he first got up from the table, everybody thought, well, where's Jesus going? You know, what, what? I wonder at what point it dawned on them what he was really doing. Was it when he, when he put on the towel around his waist? Was it when he started pouring the water? And what, went, what looks went around that table? You, no, you were supposed to. At what point did they realize what he was doing? Because it wasn't a big deal. He wasn't making a big deal. With all of his power, all of his authority, knowing everything that was about to happen, he serves. He serves. He knows who he is. And he knows who's his audience. He knows he has come from the Father and he's going back to the Father. And there's a really important word that I left off of the outline. So you can write it in. And it's a very small word, two-letter word, so. He knew he had all power and authority. He knew 
his future and what was about to happen. He knew all of this. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped the towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. That little word so is so important because it's not that he did this in spite of. It's not that he had all this power, but nobody recognized it, so he didn't have any other choice to. It was because he had all power and authority that he did it. So he did it. He knew who he was. And he knew his audience was the father. And he didn't need the applause or the attention or the approval of anybody else. See, this is how God wields his power. He's good, gracious, and merciful, and loving. And he's a God, believe it or not, who serves. It's a personal challenge to me, I got to tell you. Because I have to be honest with you, I am far too much a slave of other people's acceptance and approval. I am far too easily hurt by snubs and criticism. I am all too aware of my own good works and others who don't. Jesus had an audience of one. And I think that's the truest test of servanthood, to be able to live and serve to an audience of one. And I do much better when I remember that. I do much better when I remember that I serve as a response to his grace. See, I think far too often we serve out of a sense of duty and and obligation or maybe guilt. I think sometimes, truth be told, sometimes we serve for a little bit of leverage with God. See, it comes to Peter, and what I love about Peter is he says what everybody else is thinking. (laughs) Peter never had an unexpressed thought. He comes to Peter, and he came to Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? You'll never wash my feet. No, Lord, I'm never going to let that happen. Now, that's a reasonable response. I think if it were me at that table at that moment, I would say the exact same thing. Why would I say that? Because I'm embarrassed. And here's the problem. Here's the key of what's going on in Peter's heart. He is embarrassed, and he's trying to make up for it. And what he's really doing is he's trying to set the terms of the relationship. He's trying to call the shots. It doesn't look like that because that's a very, very subtle thing that creeps in. But that's really what's happening here is he's saying, no, Lord, I'm not going to let you take charge. I'm not going to let you serve. I'm not, no, no, it, no, that's not our relationship. That's not our relationship. No, 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 no. Yeah, I can't let you do that. And Jesus says, unless I wash you, you have no part in me. And what Jesus is doing here, I believe, in this act is he is actually acting out a parable. I believe this. And I believe that's why John writes it in such detail. In such detail. Because it sounds very, very familiar. Very, very similar to Paul's words to the Philippian church when he wrote about this. Think again. Let me read, first of all, the description of what Jesus did. He knew the Father put all things under his power, so he had, and he had come to the Father and was returning to the Father. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, 
wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet. Philippians 2, 6. Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing. He took off the clothing of deity. He took off the clothing of absolute supremacy. He took off the clothing of his godness to, to that extent. And taking the very nature of a servant, he wrapped a towel around his waist. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. He poured water into a basin and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. He began to wash their feet. See, here's the deal. We need him to serve us. We have nothing to offer. We are in his debt. And sometimes I think, sometimes we serve out of guilt, sometimes out of duty and obligation, sometimes for just a little bit of leverage. Because after all, God, look at all the things I do for you. You owe me a good life. You owe me no problems. Because I serve you, Lord. I am so obedient to you. Look at all the things I do for you. Sounds like an older brother who said, I have never left the farm. I have done everything that you have told me to, and you never threw a party for me. I think sometimes, very subtly, that creeps into our service. So Jesus says, you don't don't not realize now what I am doing, but later... You'll understand. Later. Because you see, if you can't accept this small little work of grace, if you cannot make yourself humble enough to receive this little act of love, then you don't fully understand what I am about to do in the greatest act of grace and mercy and love this world has ever seen. Says Peter, If you don't let me wash you, you have no part with me. So Peter says, well, then, Lord, all of me. (laughs) Peter, anybody who's had a bath doesn't need to be washed all over. But you do need your feet washed because you're dirty. And it wasn't until after the resurrection when Peter had denied, like Jesus said he would, And then was restored. I think that's when it dawned on him what Jesus had done. And how he couldn't do anything to to add to what Jesus was about to do. All he could do was receive what Jesus was offering. Which comes to the last thing I think that happens. When I make myself available for God's service, I become a little more like Jesus. And after all, isn't that the point? See, serving is essential for spiritual formation because Jesus served. To be a wholehearted follower requires serving. I cannot grow as a wholehearted follower without serving. It's impossible because I'm being shaped into his character and his character is one of serving. And if I won't be willing to serve, then I'm not going to grow. 
And people sometimes say to me, you know, I study my Bible, I go to church, I'm in a community group, I'm doing all the other things, but I just feel like I'm stagnant. And I say, are you serving? Well, no, but I'm reading my Bible. I'm going, to, I'm, I'm in a Bible study, I'm discussing it, I'm going to Northgate U, I'm every Sunday morning, but are you serving? Because if you're not serving, you're not going to grow. You simply won't. Jesus said to them at the end, do you understand what it is I've done for you? Do you understand? And I think that's a question every one of us have to ask ourselves. Do we understand? Do we understand what it is he is doing? Do we understand the bigger picture of what he did for us? Because you see, doing is a part of becoming. And as important as what you do for the Lord is who you become as you are doing it. And no task is unimportant and no need is too small and no ministry is too menial or mundane. Jesus said, no servant is greater than his master nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If I could do this for you, then you can do this for one another. I know some of you say, but I'm not all that altruistic. I mean, just what you said this morning makes it clear to me. I do it for my own ends. And I do it out of sense of duty. I do it it out of obligation. I do it for leverage. I never thought of it before, but I do it for leverage with God. Here's the deal. Don't let that stop you from doing. Sometimes, well, you know, I'm I'm, I'm just not all that altruistic. I'm really not a servant. Then do it and learn. Because if you wait till you feel feel like a servant, you ain't going to do it. You do it to learn, to become. And it starts out maybe as a duty or an obligation or out of guilt. But you know what happens when you do? When you begin to serve, even for all the wrong reasons, when you begin to serve and you see what God can do with what you offer to him, there's a little bit of sense of satisfaction There's something about that. That feels pretty good. And so then you will learn to serve out of the feeling you get from it. But you do that long enough and you begin to see it's part of a bigger picture. And it really has to do with your purpose and your calling in this world. And then you start serving out of your calling. But when you become serving out of your calling, what really begins to happen is a change in your character. It happens as you serve. That's why Jesus said, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. I have set before you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And that's the thing. Remember what we talked about. Bible understanding 101. Anytime God says something three times in a row, it's really, 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 really important. He's saying, now, I've washed your feet. Wash one another's feet. As I've done for you, do it for one another. You'll be blessed if, now that you know these things, you do them. And that's the point. That's what God is doing. And, and the best place to get started is within your own, your own church community. If you say, I don't even know what I could do. I don't know what I... That's why we're doing iServe over in the cafeteria. Uh, the cafe. Cafeteria. Cafe. Um, and we're just setting up stations of just the basic ministries that happen around here. Do you know, we figured out, we took some time to do a, an inventory. We figured out every week it takes at least 180 volunteers doing something to make what, ha- what happens around here happen. And truthfully, 
truthfully, we're running in about half of what we really need. And as we add a Sunday evening service, we're going to need at least 10 to 20 more people. There's need. And I can tell you the need, and I can show you the need, but you've got to see it as an opportunity. And we want to give you the opportunity. But let me also say, it is not confined to what you do on this campus or in this building. There are opportunities every day, all around you. But when you get into a servant's mind frame, you become much more aware of them. Scott McKnight wrote a book, The Jesus Creed. It's all about loving God and loving others. He writes this. Let me read this as we close. The Jesus Creed creates a society of people who love God and love others. Jesus Creed people don't merely shuffle off to the shade of a fig tree to be alone. They gather together around a table. Together they learn from one another in the fellowship of Jesus and what it's all about. Two words describe this fellowship. Family and upside down. The new society Jesus creates around the Jesus Creed is like a family. They share their lives with one another. They care for one another. They do all around And they do all of this around Jesus. As a family, they learn from Jesus about this new transforming, about boundary-breaking table fellowship, about forgiving one another, about financial responsibility for one another, and about equality within the family of God. What they learn most, what they learn most is the upside-down nature of the kingdom itself. Instead of acting with power, his family serves one another. And instead of living in self-absorption, his followers love one another. In other words, they live out the Jesus creed in a society. And when they do, life is transformed. Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California. 